podcast Radio Menea. I'm Miriam Soila Perez. And I'm Vero Valletti Flores, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. And each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love. And this week we have an episode all about cumbia. That's right. I feel like we've been talking about this for a while. We because, have been planning, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, cumbia, as we all know, is, or maybe you don't know, but yeah. it's Colombian. It's mm-hmm. originally a Caribbean, Colombian genre. Right. But it's found its way all across Latin America from like the tippy top hasta, hasta abajo abajo, you know? Right. right. From Mexico to Argentina and everything in between. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's incredibly popular in many other countries. Yeah. It's really, really cool. So we decided to um, do a little episodio just exploring that, exploring um, cumbias from all over and um, how it is that this amazing genre spread. Exactly. And so we're starting with one of the classic Colombian cumbia groups called Sonora Dinamita, and the song is called Oye. So like Vero said, um, Colombia is the uh, like is the origination of cumbia and it came from the Colombian coast. I'm sure that these folks are not, they didn't invent cumbia, but they helped to popularize right. it. They were kind of one of the big, um, they were one of the cumbia groups early on, like in the, they started out in the 60s, um, who became an international hit. And so that mm-hmm. helped to really spread um, cumbia and the popularized cumbia outside of Colombia. But, um, you know, cumbia has indigenous and African roots very definitively. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know about these, this group. I mean, like a lot of the cumbia groups that I'm bringing who are kind of more of the classic ones from the 60s, they're kind of big band style. And so there's lots and yeah, lots of yeah. members. And they rotate throughout time, obviously, over generations. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different. So mm-hmm. I don't know. For example, about like the ethnic roots of the people who originated this group and whether they themselves were indigenous or African descent. Um, and, you know, oftentimes we see the pattern where the people who popularize something and bring it internationally tend to be like lighter skinned, more of Spanish descent. So it's mm-hmm. possible that that was also a dynamic here. I don't know enough about this group. But um, so I think that's important to acknowledge because it's such such a big piece of the the sort of origination of cumbia is from people of African indigenous descent on the coast of Colombia. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I was reading about it, it's, you know, like there's, um, I feel like cumbia, they were talking about how it's been around since at least like the turn of the, you know, the um, the 20th century, but maybe before, right? Um, mm-hmm. be, like recognized as a genre. Um, but with uh, a lot of African and a lot of indigenous musical influences and then to like a lesser degree, Spanish influences right. as well, more in its like lyrical style, I mm-hmm. think. But the instrumentation, um, you know, with the drums, the African drums and then like the indigenous flutes and maracas. Right. Um, but but yeah, so I mean, I think it's 
it's wild that um, that a genre that for the longest time in Colombia actually was not, um, you know, was sort of frowned upon yeah. by elites, yeah. like often happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen this pattern in right. many genres that we discussed over the last few mm-hmm. years, yep. Um, yep. you know, both in Latin America and also you see this pattern in the United States, right, right. where um, whereas a, a musical style begins... Um, with uh, people who are like on the margins, either because of race or class or often both. And then um, it sort of like spreads and is um, more accepted right. by um, by society at large. So cumbia is definitely um, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Right. And I saw from some of the, the like links we were looking at for research that there's pretty seems like there's like scholarly debates about whether the origins of cumbia are more like of from the folks of African descent or more from indigenous kind of roots. And there's like people yeah. with competing ideologies about, uh, about the origins. Yeah, definitely. And about the words, mm. right? Like there's like, it's super um, controversial and not decided upon like where like the word cumbia comes from. Like some people think it, com- it comes from like the Bantu word cumbe, but some people think it's like a whole different thing. Right. And, uh, so it's one of the things that happens, I think, with with um, writing history, um, especially, um, you know, so long ago is that people only wrote about like the people who were writing history who were like writing stuff down were often like elite people. Right. right? right. And right. those people weren't listening to Cumbia. They didn't right. think it was worth documenting. Right. So now right. scholars are all fighting each other about what it was right. because at the time, like nobody gave a shit about it. Right. And, right. and like those communities do more, uh, the communities that um, it came up in do a lot more like oral history stuff. And I'm not yeah. sure and now it's like, you know, it's it's not, there's not like a definitive, right. like, right. this is where cumbia comes from. Right, right. And it's like, you know, groups, there's a lot of like mescla, right, between different groups. And so it's very possible that both things are true, right? That the origins yeah. come from yeah. both places and it's not, um, it's not easy to claim one or the other. So this group and this song, I have to give a shout out to Rosa, who's a friend of ours and a, a devoted listener to Radio Menea. So thank you, Rosa, hey, for, Rosa, for this recommendation. I was texting when I was in Mexico, I was texting with her about cumbia <laughs> and she suggested this um, this song. And she's actually Mexicana, but um, but listen to this. She said that this was um, a popular kind of group that they listened to when she was a kid with her family. So I think, you know, it's, it shows like part of why cumbia has become has spread as much as it did is because it was quickly in and particularly in the in the era of like the 60s and 70s like popularized outside of Colombia and so other Mm -hmm. countries started to listen to it and also started to make kind of their own um their own versions of cumbia and take cumbia and and add their own flavor to it to um to continue to evolve the genre and so this episode is going to give us a taste of some of the what that looks like but we thought we'd start with one of the sort of Colombian classics yeah Definitely. Yeah. And the other thing I like about this song is just like it has a very upbeat sound and message, which I appreciate. It's kind of about like gratitude and appreciating what you have. Yeah. Which is sweet. Yeah. And not sweet. Not like a typical, (laughs) not a typical like theme in music. I feel like it doesn't come across that often. So so Mm -hmm. I appreciated this one. Yeah, so my next song is um, is called Viene de Mi, and it's by La Llegros, and it's a cumbia from Argentina. Mm-hmm. 
Dear listeners, um, Argentina is like in el culo del mundo compared with Colombia. You know, it's like <laughs> so far yeah. away, and it's just like, how the fuck did this happen, right? Like, and so I was very curious about that because Gumbia is big in Argentina, and there's like, again, you know, like it it comes to like it reaches a country, and then like there. Are like you know it gets popularized and there's their own like cumbia sub subgenres that yep. begin to emerge right. Yep. So I read that um, cumbia reaches Argentina through Lucho Bermudez, who is this Colombiano who was very interested in um, in you know bringing Colombian music outside of Colombia and he recorded in Argentina in the 40s and then by the 60s like Perez was saying there were. Um, there began to be like sort of a lot more spread of cumbia and more Colombian musicians moved to Argentina and popularized cumbia there. So um, all these like subgenres begin to emerge. Like in Argentina, like cumbia villera, which, you know, like adds guitar. And again, is really popular with like poor and marginalized people mm. in Argentina. And um, I wanted to bring La Llegros as an example um, of some of the ways that cumbia is being used in Argentina in a modern context um, by artists who are experimenting with like ritmos típicos, but also new stuff, right? Yeah. So um, this song is like five years old, so it's not particularly new, but um, La Llegros is out there making music still um, and, you know, still putting on music and, and part of her influence is the the music that was typical of Argentina to her growing up, right? So, you know, here it's cumbia, but she also is heavily, heavily influenced by like chamame, for example, which we talked about in our accordion episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we brought her to the accordion episode. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so um, I think um, I, I wanted to bring La Llegros and um, she's part of like ZZK Records which is this label that came out of a club which starting in the late 2000s began to release a lot of electrocumbia and got a lot of international recognition. So she's part of this sort of like movement in the last maybe decade or so that has like put cumbia back sort of like at like in the mainstream and um and having like people all around the world listening, listening to to like electro cumbia, right? Like new ways to think about right. um, cumbia, um, and and yeah, it's just it's just so it's cool and it's interesting, and um, you know, ZZK Records is obviously not the first to do that, right? Like Selena was doing like techno cumbia and mm. like doing like new stuff with cumbia and pop, you know, during her time, right? So. It's just, um, a, you know, like as the genre, it remains alive and it remains compelling and people keep trying to, you know, keep putting their own 
uh, specific spins on them. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. I really liked this song. Yeah, I thought it was really sweet. And the video is interesting. The, the like... Yeah, yeah. She's, like, kind of, like, busting through a wall, basically. Yeah, like. and then she's, like, different characters. It's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. It's cool, yeah. It's I like Gallegros a lot. She's really interesting. She's, like, from the part of Argentina in, like, the northwest, where it's, like, sort of on the border with Brazil. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, so she's she's really cool and, and makes some really good music. I talked to her. Um, once for an article, I think in Bitch Magazine. It was a long time ago. It was wow. her last album came out mm-hmm. a few years ago. But uh, but yeah, she's she's really sweet, and I I like what she does. Her performances are also super energetic and really fun. Mm. Nice. Yeah, we kind of kept our typical division somewhat in this episode, where I brought sort of more traditional stuff, and you brought more of the experimental. Um, yeah yeah I mean I'm glad that we have this though because I think that it's really important to show both like Mm -hmm. sort of like the ways that it's used in like sort of traditional and typical type Mm -hmm. of context although Mm -hmm. you know and the way that it's used um, sort of like in uh, more experimental and new music context which is obviously not to say that there's not like innovation and um, that it's not alive on like the traditionalist side and that it you know on that side it obviously continues to evolve but there's um you know like there's artists who are mixing cumbias with um synths and mm-hmm. and doing all sorts of like interesting um interesting things there with like uh the music that is music that they grew up with which is cumbia and then other music whether it be punk or whether it be electronic or whether it be you know, whatever number of genres that are important to them. So I'm glad that we're bringing a little bit of, of, of both of those. Right. And what's interesting is that, you know, it's all kind of relative because the stuff that I'm bringing from the sixties when it was happening, I think was seen as like innovative and like an evolution of the tradition. Right. So it's all kind of like, I think it happens in waves. Cause like the next group, um, the next song that I'm bringing, like they were known for bringing some synthesizer into cumbia Mm -hmm. even in the 60s or like in the more in like the 80s and 90s I think was part of there so anyway it's all like I think these things kind of happen in waves and what we consider traditional someone else considered like really modern at the time you know so yeah so tell us about our next song so it's called Nunca es Suficiente and it's by Los Angeles Azules and Natalia Laforcade So 
So this song was probably my like biggest sort of jam on repeat while I was in Mexico. I heard it. Um, mm. I literally heard it playing out of a car stereo one night. We were like stopped um, looking yes. at like a, a dam that. or something, some sort of like historic-ish thing that we were looking at, and this song was playing. And I was like, "What is this?" And then I looked it up, and then that it was it. Like it was it. Furiously yeah, exactly. I didn't have. I did not like have Shazam, unfortunately. Remember the yeah, lyrics. Yeah, I didn't have Shazam, but I and help, <laughs> luckily had like Paulina and Rosalia were there to help me kind of figure out what it was. They were like, "Oh, I think it might be this or that," and we figured it out. Um, and nice, so yeah, Los nice. Angeles Azules, and then it was just you know I don't know fate or coincidence that we had already been planning to do a cumbia episode when we got back. So I was like, yes, I have a song. <laughs> So Los Angeles Azules, I learned a lot about after I found the song. Um, are a really well-known Mexican cumbia group that's also been around for decades. And again, they 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 kind of I think helped to popularize cumbia in Mexico. They they were they started um, pretty early on, but they became popular in the 80s. And again, like I mentioned, like they some of what I read about them said that they were known for bringing synthesizer and accordion actually to um, to cumbia. Yeah. Yeah, accordion is yeah. a very Mexican touch to cumbia. To cumbia. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then this song is actually lovely because it's from a an album um, a couple of years ago. I'm trying to think about, I think it was like 2016 maybe. Um, album where they do a bunch of collaborations with different, even more contemporary sort of Mexican artists. So this song is with Natalia mm-hmm. Laforcade, who I really like, and I brought to the, the podcast before, and I love like yeah, the mix yeah. of her voice with the their sound. I think it's really she's got a really yeah, beautiful it's really voice. beautiful. And so yeah, this the album is called. Oh, actually, sorry, the album was released this year, and it's called Esto Si Es Cumbia, which I think also gets at that sort of idea of like yes, like cumbia is a lot of things, and it continues to evolve, and like mm-hmm. just because we're doing something different mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not cumbia. It's still cumbia. Um, and it right, features a ton right. of interesting collaborations, including a song with Haash, who I brought to the Menito last week, if you've listened to it, um, yes. and Gloria Trevi, who we featured before. So I think it's a really it's a really cool album. I would I would totally recommend listening to the whole thing. And in 2013, they also released a kind of a similar idea of like a big collaboration album featuring a ton of other Mexican musicians. So this is something they've done in the past. Um, but yeah, this they're just they're like super big cumbia artists in Mexico and they have tons yeah. of like greatest hits albums and lots of great songs and they're again kind of like the rotating cast of big band type situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I was really excited to, to find this song yeah yeah and I mean these days cumbia is such a big part of, of yeah. Mexican music yeah. right and like even thinking about like mm-hmm. Selena right who's like doing like sort of Tex-Mex um, Tejano stuff, you know, like cumbia was a huge yeah. part of what that yeah. was for her. For a right? long time, I thought cumbia was Mexican <laughs> until I like learned more about the history and understood that it actually came from Colombia because it's just such a, I think, a staple in Mexican culture. Yeah, it's so yeah. present in in Mexican culture and Mexican culture is a big part of Latino culture in the yep. United States. Yeah, yep. right. Yeah, and that might also be part of it. Yeah. It's like in terms of what Mexican, what parts of Mexico, what parts of me- Mexican community are in the U.S. and yeah, what what music mm-hmm. ends up being popular. But um, but yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah that makes I'm sense. That makes sense. I feel like I know that cumbia is Colombian because I'm yeah. from. I'm like right, right. So Venezuela. you know, yeah, you like know? you have more proximity <laughs> to Colombian culture. That's one thing that I don't know that cumbia has really made it into the Caribbean in the same way that's made it kind of across 
And so like yeah. Las Islas. Yeah, exactly. Not like the yeah. mainland of South America or Central America. Yeah, like I don't get the sense that, that Cumbia has penetrated um, or has like evolved in its own way in the Dominican Republic or in Cuba or in Puerto Rico. I don't yeah. think so. I feel like the islands were sort of like doing maybe, I don't know, just didn't, didn't pick yeah. up there. I, what, yeah. From what I read when, when Cumbia started to get popular in Mexico, what was mostly popular there were more like Cuban rhythms, like Son and Montuno and different things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think Cuban rhythms were hugely popular yeah. across Latin America yeah. and the, right. the world, right. right? I think that... Cuban big mm -hmm. band music was like mm -hmm. the Latin American music yeah. that like made it big in yeah, that yeah. era in the fifties yeah. and stuff. It's interesting. I wonder if there's any connection yeah. to like the rise of cumbia and the Cuban revolution and like the ways in which that changed like Cuba's involvement internationally. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah. like the export of music, I think I imagine probably declined right. a lot because a lot of the industries declined um, and the focus was different. And right, right. Yeah, I I um, would be really yeah. interested in reading yeah. about that sort of history because all of it is political right, and sh different sort right. of shifts, yeah. right, that happened mm -hmm. that, like, allow for the rise yeah, of different yeah, yeah. genres and yeah. stuff. Yeah, Cumbia in Venezuela is, like, sort of mm -hmm. around, but it's... Um, I didn't, I didn't hear it a ton. Like, I heard, like, salsa yeah. and merengue and, like, you know, other, like, Caribbean, not that, so Cumbia right, is right, Caribbean, right? right? Cumbia yeah. is from, like, the Caribbean right. coast right. of, yeah. uh, of, um, of right. Colombia, but, like, more, more of, like, the rhythms that are associated with, like, right. the islands Is that, is that coast of Colombia considered um, Caribbean? Because it's on the Pacific There's, no, there's a Caribbean coast and a Pacific mm. coast, and it's from the Caribbean coast. The Caribbean coast right, is because east Colombia is of, so far north that um, it's like the top of South America. Got yeah, it. it's east of Panama yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah it's on yeah, the corner, yeah. right? So like east of Panama is right. on the Caribbean yeah, and west totally. is on the Pacific and they're from the yeah, Caribbean yeah. coast. Thank you for that geography lesson. <laughs> it's real. I didn't you know? study South, I didn't study, I studied so little of any geography or history outside of basically North Carolina. It was like a travesty of my public education, so... <laughs> it's i ridiculous like it's, it's ridiculous uh, i like i really like maps yeah. i used to spend a lot yeah. of time with maps as a kid so i'd like look yeah. at stuff yeah, and yeah, like yeah. you know Good for you man i should have spent more time <laughs> <laughs> it's not too it's late true. it's, true. <laughs> it's, it's not, not too late. late i feel like you could like you know smoke a little <laughs> bit and like spend some time on google earth <laughs> Bitch, you could stay on that <laughs> shit for hours. <laughs> you don't have to just like stare at a globe anymore. We've got different options. <laughs> no, Google Earth mm. is the real shit well, these days. All right. Highly recommend. It's Pro creepy tip. as fuck, Pro but. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your next cumbia? All right, us? all right. My next, my next song is by a Colombian group. I wanted to bring a Colombian group that's putting out music today. This is Monsieur Perine and the song is called La Tregua. Vete, ya no vuelvas. Vete, no me mientas más. Me cansé de cargar con este dolor. Vete, que estoy muriéndome. Vete, Y llévate tu hiel Que se ahoga mi pecho con tu traición 
like I said, because cumbia is Colombian, I wanted to bring some Colombian artists who are doing cumbia, but that aren't necessarily like cumbia artists, or that wouldn't be like known as like okay, like these are this is a cumbia group, um, but rather are just like using cumbia as a part of like a constellation of influences based on like you know what was around in terms of like their uh, their upbringing and. Um, Monsieur Perine are this really sweet Colombian group who fit that bill. And um, this is a song off their newest album, Encanto Tropical. And I just sort of like, I was like, I know they're Colombian. And I like went on their latest album and I like played every single song. And I was like, I know there's going to be a cumbia on here. And then I heard it. I was yep. like, tch, 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 tch. I was like, there it is. <laughs> this was <Score>. a cumbia. <laughs> Well, this one um, is off their newest album, which is called Encanto Tropical. It came out in May. Uh, The song actually features Vicentico from Los Fabulosos Cadillacs, which is an Argentine ska band, and I find that to be really lulls in this context. Yeah, it's kind of random. Um, But but yeah, I I thought this was like a nice little cumbia, and I wanted to bring an example of like Colombian musicians using cumbia in this way, right? Like, just like... They're putting out a ton of different stuff. A lot of it is sort of like, um, sort of like maybe bolero-y, and then some of their stuff is sort of swingy and it has this like vintagey feel. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so cumbia is just like one of the many influences, and I feel like it's hard to be a Colombian like you can't be a Colombian band that's like exploring Latin American rhythms and not Mm. do any cumbia and I was right you know like I was like one of these is gonna be a cumbia and it was love it but they do they um I I really love the um so this song I don't think has a video but they have a lot of really pretty visuals and I feel like they have like this like really um really sweet aesthetic so I would check them out if you like this and you want to hear more and you brought them before right i thought i did but then i searched and i didn't find them and maybe i just i don't know i definitely when this album came out i sent it to you and i was like i think you would like this okay yeah i definitely remember it so yeah yeah what do you have next for us? My last song, my last cumbia for this episode is called Linda Muchachita and it's by Los Hermanos Flores. No quiero ya tus besos que me hacen tanto mal I was just 
researching for this episode and looking through some of the articles about cumbia across Latin America, El Salvador was mentioned, and this group was one of the, the couple of groups that were particularly um, popular when it came to cumbia in El Salvador. And so I decided to bring them because I had heard of this group. There's a huge Salvadoran community in D.C. Yeah. Um, and a long, yeah. like a long-standing community that's been here for many decades and so there's a lot of Salvadoran references in DC um, and particularly I think I've heard of them because they're every year there's a festival they used to call it festival Guanaco <laughs> now I think it's called a festival Salvadorenísimo. <laughs> but basically oh, it's not just festival. Salvadoreño but like Salvadorenísimo. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah and when the, when I first um, when I came back to DC and like Six years ago, I remember hearing the ads, and they would be like, "El Festival Guanaco." Like, it was like very. <laughs> yes, so it sort of stuck out. I know. I haven't. I'm sadly have not gone. Actually, our friend Sarah and Joshua, I think, are going this year. I think it either just happened or is about to happen. So Sarah and Joshua have to report back about how it was. Joshua is yeah. from El Salvador. So um, yeah. anyway, but so I'm pretty sure Los Hermanos Flores have play, have performed at that um, at that show. It's not all Salvadoran artists, but a lot of Salvadoran artists. Either yeah. that or yeah. I've heard their music played on um, the radio station that I listen to. So mm-hmm. that was why I decided to, to bring them since I had some reference for them. And um, when I was listening to the songs, some of their top hits, I, I really liked the song. Yeah. Um, and there was like this whole section on Salvadoran cumbia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, which... Cumbia Wikipedia, which I had no right. idea even existed. I know. I would not have been at the top of my list of like places with Cumbia, but it turns out that in the 60s, a bunch of um, musicians from El Salvador went to Colombia for music festivals and other kinds of engagements. Oh, and so that was how they started to hear the sort of Colombian Cumbia and start to bring back some of the rhythms. So I don't know why that was happening in the 60s. I mean, geographically, they're not very far from each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, that was right. what the, that was kind of the story that I read when I was looking up the history. So Very cool. And then it became extremely popular in El Salvador, it seems like, um, in that era. And I think has yeah. continued to be to be popular. These folks, again, started in the 60s and but have um, continued through lots of different members of their of their group. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm glad that we brought some some Salvadoran cumbia and like because yeah. like I said, it's just like a rhythm that has like made itself at home in so many mm-hmm. countries in Latin America and mm-hmm. and found it's like different little ways to like blend in, you know. Yeah. And now I think yeah. there's just like all these different subgenres of cumbia, right? Yeah. Um, and you can um you can hear a lot about a place based on right. like their cumbias. It's so right. cool. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's one of the reasons these kinds of patterns like are one of the reasons why, although it's a complicated identity, like the identity of like Latinx or Latino or Latina in the United States kind of works because we do share these different um, elements, right? That there's things that we have in common across like national borders, in addition to like the shared experience um, to some respects of being like Latinx in the United States specifically. But, um, but the fact that we have like music in common and rhythms in common and foods and things like that like allows for that kind of yeah. cross national yeah. um relationship that you know doesn't necessarily replicate itself like in people's like countries of origin right right yeah it's definitely like an interesting and complicated one for yeah. sure but this for is sure. like this is cumbia is, is one of the one of the ways that that things are similar for yeah. sure mm-hmm. 
One day we should do like, hopefully we'll get to do a deeper dive into the music of El Salvador because there's a lot there that we haven't explored very much of. But uh, yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there's that still would be so fun. many countries maybe, to explore. Maybe Josh wants to come on I know. And, I think and, I and maybe teach had, us some things. I think I'd ask him about that and I don't remember what he said, but yeah. <laughs> or if you listening out there are an expert in Salvadoran music and you want to come on the show, let us know. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> we exactly. are. We are so open. We're just two Caribbean folks trying to figure out what everybody else is doing. Right. Trying to learn, <laughs> trying to do whatever research we can on the interwebs. That's that's right. That's yep. right. Yeah. So tell us what's your last cumbia for this episode. My last cumbia is by Nicola Cruz and it's called La Cumbia del Olvido. Another artist on um, ZZK Records, which is an Argentine label, um, and that I mentioned has been uh, bringing important sort of electro cumbia to popularity in the last decade or so. Um, but uh, Nicola Cruz was is actually of Ecuadorian descent. He was born in France, Ecuadorian parents, and um, he's known for these sort of electronic explorations of Latin American folkloric rhythms and typical rhythms. Um, we brought Nicola Cruz, I think, once before to our Indigenous Artist episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure that this is really an example of, like, say, like, Ecuadorian cumbia, right? Like, yeah. I think, so, cumbia has spread across Latin America, including Ecuador, um, is what I read. But, um, I wanted to bring this, rather, just to talk about how, like, basically global cumbia is these days, right? How, like, a rhythm that started out in, like, indigenous and African communities in the Caribbean coast of Colombia and from, like, some tambora and some flauta and some maracas, it sort of morphs into, over the years, this first, like, international pan-Latin American rhythm and now, like, you know, like, it's it's really global um and and i think um one of the things that i really like that nicola cruz is doing is that yeah he morphs it with electronic stuff and with synthesizers but he's never really losing um its original quality right right like i think he talks about how he wants you to make sure that you know that people are making this music right it's not just machines right um so and it's not like just like a big dance club track over the over the rhythm but rather right. like it's like working with it to preserve the original sort of spirit of it but add, adding another interesting element and i think that like um this 
you know, this dude who is, you know, born in France of Ecuadorian parents and exploring with experimental music and cumbia is, I think, really sort of like just says a lot about where cumbia is at today um, and and where it, it sort of is in terms of like global interest and scale. Right. Yeah. No, I appreciate that perspective for sure. And yeah, this this music has really traveled far from its origins. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, I feel like it's really cool to see, um, just to see like how this whole episode uh, and listening to all the different cumbias from all the different places um, to listen to how uh, how it sort of changes and how it stays the same and like what things are preserved and what things sort of like change based on like local uh, tastes or customs or um, you know like immigrant communities right like in Mexico there were Germans so we're adding an mm-hmm. accordion you know mm-hmm. it's just like so wild and so mm-hmm. interesting how music evolves that way and it makes me think about how like you know music that's popular today that has like a very specific origin like maybe like reggaeton is like you know Puerto Rican and Panamanian and but now is everywhere like how are we going to be talking about that right. in 50 years right, right? and yeah um Especially because the access is so much more. Yeah, yeah. Now with the internet, like, you can access things that, you know, 50 years ago, you had to travel to a country to, like, experience it, you know? Right, right. You had to travel to a country or somebody had to, like, go and, like, record and press a record, like, Mm -hmm. in your country, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't, Mm -hmm. it's not like you can just get on the Google machine and see what's on YouTube. (laughs) It's amazing. I feel like we're so lucky. Yeah, yeah, the level of access that we have. And also, obviously, there's still, like, the ways those platforms play out and, like, the there's still certain things that never get heard and certain things that do, right? Yes. There's still dynamics to that. It's not, like, Absolutely. the great equalizer, which I think is a myth of the internet. But, um, but totally. there's definitely, like, a level of access and um, the speed at which we can kind of exchange is so much more. Yeah, it's yeah. Incredible. And I think I'm really glad that you brought up, like, right at the top of the episode, Perez, that, mm-hmm. like, the ways that the music industry plays out and has played out and continues to play out today is, like, along, like, like racial and color lines, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, in sure. Latin America, right? Like, basically, like, your proximity to whiteness often mm-hmm. um, determines, like, your success. And obviously, mm-hmm. it's not it's not always that way. And there's, there's lots of people who, um, who have found success, but yeah, that's definitely always been a factor in the music industry. And like, sadly has yet to change, right. It's like still a thing in in cumbia and all genres of music. Mm -hmm. Really. Mm -hmm. I picked up like a teeny bopper music magazine when I was in Mexico, just to like check it out and see what the deal was. Um, Uh I think I sent you like a picture of the cover. Jay Balvin was on the cover and I was like flipping through and actually the Los Angeles Azules were, were featured in that magazine as well. But anyway, basically it was just like, it was mostly about some music um, awards that had happened recently. And it was kind Mm -hmm. of like almost like the page six or something like just like pictures of people. And I was just, it was really shocking to me, although not surprising, like, um, it was just it was so white. It was so white. And I was just like flipping yeah. through this magazine being like, my God. And it was all Mexicans, right? Um, it was just like so everyone was super light skin. And then the contrast of like being in Guanajuato and like most parts, of a lot of parts of Mexico, but particularly Guanajuato, I think because of the geography of it and the history of it, like it's a very, a lot of 
indigenous roots, right, um, in that particular area. And so you walk around the city of Guanajuato and you see very few, like, fair-skinned people. Like, very, very few. Mm-hmm. And so then to, like, pick up this but magazine. But you, like, pick up this magazine. Right, that I bought in a grocery store in Guanajuato. And it's, like, this, the, uh, you know, so, yeah. I mean, it's just, like, colorism, racism, like, it's still very, very, very prevalent. And, like, you know, I know these things intellectually, but but then you experience them firsthand and you see them. And it's, like, the contrast. It's, like, wow, this is really really intense and really fucked up and yeah yeah and yeah totally. a lot of those people were like celebrities you know actors musicians blah blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. damn yeah so, so i mean that's that's why we always try to like think yeah. about in on our podcast like right. not just who we bring but also like what the roots of music are yeah. and i think that cumbia yeah. is a really cool um, is is a really um, amazing example of like the ways that um, yeah. that both indigenous and um, Af- African diasporic rhythms come together mm-hmm. in Latin America and like mm-hmm. have just like gone everywhere and it's mm-hmm. it's um, amazing too. Even though like the history of like how and exactly like which pieces mm-hmm. of what came together and when, um, I think that it's pretty established that those two communities yeah. were. Um, were yeah. a big part of of this genre coming together, and it's amazing to see um, that those um, that that those communities have like given Latin America this gift of Guaya. Right. right. Yeah, it's real. Um, and it's actually a good segue to mentioning that we're gonna be at um, doing a live podcast taping with DJ Bembona, who's an amazing um, DJ in. New York City, and we're going to be talking about Afro-Latinidad and, and a bunch of other things related to music um, live on September 30th at the new Latin Wave uh, Music Festival in Brooklyn. So we'll put a link in the show notes to information about that, but if you're around, um, you should join us, and we'll put a discount code in the show notes that gives you a $10, $10 ticket um, with that discount code. So we would love to see you there, and we will continue to talk more about these these themes yeah yeah definitely and with the amazing bimbona mm-hmm. you're not gonna regret it if you mm-hmm. come through yes. i promise you so yeah come hang out with us and all the other amazing folks there'll be panels and performances and it's gonna be a really um cool afternoon so you should come check definitely out. definitely and thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Yes. As always, all the information of everything that we talked about, both um, about our songs and um, like the discount code for a new Latin wave and all of this stuff um, is going to be in our show notes. So make sure to check those out for more information on our tracks and um, some of what we talked about today. Um, and we're on social media. We're on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Follow us. We have cute stuff there for you always. Um, so make sure to check that out. Yeah. And if you haven't checked out our store, what have you been waiting for? <laughs> our little candita has been live for a couple of months and a lot of you have um, bought things. So we're super excited um, that you've been supporting it. But yeah, take a look. If you go to radamina.com and click on Tienda, it'll take you right there. We'll also put a link in the show notes. And if you haven't left us a review, I'm going to ask for this in a little bit. Um, we would so appreciate a review on iTunes, especially on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference. We read all of them and we really appreciate totally. your support and letting other people know what you think about our show. Thank you so, so much for listening, y'all. Yes. Hasta la próxima. Bye. Bye.
flat 